Good morning, dear listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Shelter in Peace. You, you are listening to us here, coming live from our studios in Atlanta, Georgia. We are AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio station. And I am Mari Cleveland, and I am joined by my guest co-host, Anne Satilli. Good morning. Good morning, Anne. And of course, our always lovely and uh, skilled producer, Annie Porter. Hello, friends. Hello. So just warning our listeners, we've got a lot of Anne's going on today. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I didn't even look up when the Feast of St. Anne's is, but there must be something about it. It just passed. Did it? That must yeah. be it. Because we got... power hour. <laughs> we do. And actually, you know, my name is really Mariana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's... Well, I've got oh, an Mary Anne. and Anne. Yeah. yeah. She trumped us. She, yeah. I've got, I've got Mary <laughs> and Anne. You're right. It is. It's true. Oh, how funny. Um, anyway, so listeners, we are so thankful that you are here with us, that you are tuning in to be with us. And... If you were here last week, you know that we talked about mercy and we talked about God's mercy. And that theme continues to go along into our theme for today, because today our theme is really around what happens when we lose someone, um, when we are feeling the very immense, uh, immense need for God's mercy, because we have lost a loved one. Um, we have lost some somebody who's very, very dear to us, somebody important in our lives. And the reason we decided we wanted to talk about this is because it just seems like that's what that's been happening a lot lately. Um, just here in Atlanta in the last week or so, we lost two great men. We lost John Lewis and Herman Cain here in Atlanta. So a lot of public mourning and grieving for them and for the legacies that they left behind. Um, but also we each know people who have been losing loved ones and some of them through natural causes just are, you know, aging, but sometimes there, some people recently have lost loved ones through very tragic cases, um, people of all ages. And I think what's made it even more challenging in the days of COVID is because we can't be as close to people. Right, right? that feeling of being alone. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's magnified right now, that feeling of being alone, both that you can't be in the hospital room or you can't be at the assisted living home or even you can't even really hold a funeral where you would normally be able to hug and touch. And so, yeah, yeah, that's been magnified, definitely. So, but that is going to be our, our theme and we're going to talk about that today, but we are going to start with prayer because that's what we always do and all good things happen and come from, from prayer and us being able to just turn ourselves over to God. So, um, let's go ahead and pray together in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, we praise you. We praise you because you are our good, good father and because you are our merciful God and because you do love us so very much. And Lord, um, as we prepared for today, we were just struck from by the words from your prophet Jeremiah, the words from today's first reading. And it says, it gives us these words from you. It says, with age old love, I have loved you. So I have kept my mercy toward you. Again, I will restore you and you shall be rebuilt. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you keep your mercy towards us. And we thank you, Lord, that you do restore us, that we are rebuilt through your promises, through your grace, through your mercy, and through your love. We pray for these things and for all of our listeners and their needs in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I just said, our, our topic today is really, um, you know, grief and how to deal with grief, but also, you know, for, for those of you out there who have lost a loved one, 
just so that you know you're not alone, that there are others of us who have walked that path before. It feels like a very lonely path. Um, but just understanding sometimes that other people have can be helpful. So, so understanding other people's stories of that and and what they've done, but also for those of you who are just, who are the friends or the relatives of someone who's lost a loved one and who are feeling maybe a bit, um, uncomfortable, uneasy, you don't know what to do about that or for them, especially during this time where you can't just go over and hug on them. You know, that's what we do here in the South. Oftentimes we, we go hug right. on people, right? And we can't do that. So, so, so this is for both of you, both sets of people, those who have lost, but also those who are close to those who have lost and really want to support them. And so we'll talk about some practical things and some scripture and um, uh, some other ideas today. Both Anne and I will talk and then our guest at the second half of the hour will share some thoughts with you all as well. So, um, Anne, you were here as a guest host with me a couple of weeks ago. I was. And I'm so thankful that you are back again. I'm really glad to be here. Yes. And so last week, last time we were together, excuse me, we talked about the importance of prayer and how that was such an important part of both of our lives and and just all the beautiful aspects of prayer. But there was a part of your story, especially in prayer was very important, of course, during that part of your story. There was a part of your story that you didn't share with our listeners. And I think today is is an excellent time um, to be able to share that. So would you be willing to to walk us through and talk us through um, your experience with this topic? Right. Um, I guess I just want to start to to say that um, everyone's story of grief and loss is 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 different mm-hmm. and unique, um, but I think that it's important that we share our stories and, and connect where there is overlap. Um, that's the way the body of Christ works. Yes, so that we can raise each other up. And um, there there are no perfect answers, and we won't have those perfect answers of how to support and love each other until we get to the other side. Yes, but, um, but sharing our stories is is one of those ways in the here and now. Um, my uh, my story began seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband of 20 plus years uh, came home from the gym one day and said, I don't really feel great. I can't breathe really well. Um, and that uh, sent him to the doctor just to get things checked out. And within 24 hours, he had a diagnosis of a stage four colon cancer. Oh my goodness. Um, it had metastasized to his liver. And um, a few days later, he was in the hospital. Wow. Um, literally dying. Um, mm. So we went from one day thinking he was perfectly healthy to the next day, um, he we were going to lose him. Mm. Um, and I remember when he when I left him at the hospital and went home for the night to be with my son. I had a son in high school at that time, a daughter in college. And... Um, I just, I had never felt so alone in my whole entire life, leaving him at the hospital and going home to Thomas. And um, that was the longest night of of my life. Mm. And as I drove back to the hospital the next morning, parked the car in the parking garage, I just, um, I just sat in the car for a minute and, and just fell apart Mm -hmm. Um, and prayed, you know, Mm because, you know, turned to the Lord, but I didn't really have the words. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so overwhelmed and felt so alone. Um, But I found myself begging God for time. Mm. There, I knew from the moment we got the diagnosis that Tom was going to die. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just needed some time. My children needed time. Family needed time. Tom needed time. Um, So I begged the Lord for a year. I said, 
please, Lord, just one year so mm. that we can live intentionally, love intentionally, accept this as a family. Mm. And had the doctor said anything to you all about time before that? They um, they don't really give you, they don't know, you know, mm-hmm. so they, mm-hmm. but uh we were told that they didn't even sure were they weren't even sure if he would be a candidate for chemotherapy because it was so far mm. um, yeah. progressed. Yeah. So I got out of the car and walked toward the the building and the hospital, and I really felt like someone was walking with me. Hmm. And I turned around and I looked, and it was kind of creepy. I was in a dark parking <laughs> garage, and but there was there was no one there, and it, it didn't. As I walked further, it didn't feel strange. It felt calming. It oh, felt wow. peaceful. So you weren't fearful. It felt peaceful. No, initially, yeah. it wasn't even really a fearful feeling. It was more like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Um, and as I got to the door and I opened the door, I felt someone kind of just brush up against me affectionately. Mm. And I knew in that moment that it was the Lord, mm. that he was walking with me. Wow. And that he answered my prayer. So you already knew that the prayer you had just prayed a few minutes before in the parking garage was answered, right? I knew it. Wow. I knew it at that moment. And I knew that he would walk with me and our Mm -hmm. family through that whole time. And Tom died almost a year to the day. Wow. After that that parking lot prayer. (laughs) You know, and our God, he is so merciful and he's so personal. He's so personal because he knew exactly what you wanted and what you needed. And he listened to that. And um, yeah, that's amazing. So his mercy was just poured upon us. Mm -hmm. Um, during that during that time and there was so much joy and peace and love all those fruits of the spirit it Mm. it was obvious that we weren't alone that the lord was walking with us yeah and i think that that part is also so important for our listeners to hear today because i think people are feeling very alone because of the need for physical distancing people feel totally alone they do and some of them are specifically alone you know they can't be around anybody else but i love that that visual that story that that part of your story when you said somebody affectionately brushed up against you Mm -hmm. right and our god you know it's so important for us to remember that our god is outside of space and time it doesn't matter he doesn't need to worry about physically distancing or socially distancing Right. right he can be everywhere and he can be as near as you need i know oftentimes when i'm praying for somebody who is very ill or who is dying, I'll say, Lord, just wrap your arms around them. And I get this sense, I get this picture in my mind that he literally is, he is literally holding them. And it sounds almost like that that's what you felt. You really literally felt him wrapping himself around you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So during that year, um, as you thought about that year and and what happened with your family, um, were there some things that you thought, gosh, this is even more, God's blessing us even more. It's not just the gift of time, but he's blessing us more during this year because of what we're able to do and how we're able to be together. We don't have a long enough show for me just to go into (laughs) all of of the the times that we were blessed in in tangible ways. Mm. And um, I I guess the biggest blessing of all was to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, my my children and I, something would happen and um, we would just look at each other like, oh, that was God mm. breaking into our world. That's awesome. Um, yeah. We were in the hospital in New York um, at Sloan Kettering. We had gone for a surgery mm-hmm. and um, my husband was having a particularly bad day mm-hmm. after the surgery and a priest came in to give mm-hmm. us communion. And um, my sister-in-law was with us who doesn't have a strong faith life. And um, she was kind of taken aback a little bit and was in the corner and a little bit uncomfortable with what was happening. Um, but the priest was very personable and started, you know, 
the first question you say to someone when you meet them is, where are you from? Uh-huh. Right. Right. So we told him we were from Charleston and he launched into this whole story about how, oh, I several years ago I was in Charleston. I was interviewing for a position to teach theology at a high school. And um, he went on and on. Well, it turns out that was my kid's high school. Oh, wow. So we're from Charleston. We're in New York. This priest comes in the room and he knew people that we knew and mm. he stayed with a priest friend of ours and all, we had all these connections mm-hmm. and my sister-in-law was just kind of in the corner her eyes big like what is happening yeah and um and then we listened to his story more and more and turns out that he didn't end up in charleston because he was diagnosed with a brain tumor wow so he was able to share that story with us and the connections that we made in those few minutes of that mm-hmm. visit were were god yeah orchestrated right right um and so he he prayed with us, and he asked my sister in law if, if she would come and and pray with us, and and she did mm. to my just amazement, and I was so grateful. But after he left, um, my sister in law looked at my husband, and she said, "That that was really just strange. What a coincidence!" <laughs> and my husband said to her. Jen, there are no coincidences. Yeah. Yeah. That was a God thing. Yeah. And we just have story upon story upon story during that year of mm-hmm. how God broke into our world and gave us exactly what we needed at the right time. That's beautiful. So that gift of the year that you asked him for was also just a, a way for him to continue to gift you just throughout that whole year. It wasn't just the time you got to spend as a family, but it was the time that you got to see him, like you say, break into your world. That's beautiful language uh, to break into your world and to offer that, you know, and it's those, um, those, we call them divine appointments as well, right? God incidences or divine appointments, those divine appointments. If we watch for them, it is amazing. And it's amazing the impact that they can have. And during this time, I'm really praying that I don't miss it Mm -hmm. because I feel like we're all so isolated and Mm we, you know, we're not going to mass regularly. We're not with our prayer groups or our extended family. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just praying, God, I don't want to miss your presence. Right. You know, help me to see you, hear you, feel you. Right. uh, During this, during this time of isolation. I think that's beautiful. And, and those divine appointments can happen just you yourself in your living room or, you know, kneeling by your bed or wherever you are, they still can happen or over Zoom. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a group of, of lovely ladies. Every other Tuesday, we have our Zoom call and we catch up with each other and then we pray together. And mm-hmm. um, t- yesterday, it was amazing. God answered so many prayers, like within hours of us praying together. And we weren't able to be together to talk about it, but we were texting each other and using all the wonderful emojis <laughs> <laughs> to show our excitement and um, thanking and praising God together. And we could still have those divine appointments. Well, you said that earlier that, that God is beyond space in time and I think we forget that or it's really difficult to wrap our mind around um, so that's another thing that you know we can pray for mm-hmm. that God give me an understanding of, of how you're working and, mm-hmm. and give me that wisdom to yeah. to see you yeah definitely so I am um, I've mentioned on the on the air before that I lost my mom about five and a half years ago and um, she had fought cancer um, two two bouts of cancer and her second time was for quite a long time. She actually fought ovarian cancer for eight years, which is just shows how incredibly 
determined and stubborn and strong my mother um, right. was is she's in the communion of saints so I get to I can say she is still so I'm praying that that strong um, determined spirit is interceding for me and my children on a daily basis I'm sure it is no doubt <laughs> yes um, and so she ended up with something called mild myodysplasia syndrome which basically means that um, her bone marrow shut down because she'd had so much chemotherapy and so we were also given we were just told you don't have long you don't have long because nothing can be done at this point and um my dad who his faith is a very private and personal faith you know we were getting down near the end and we had um got had her in a hospice facility for about a week and we just it was fine but we didn't love it it wasn't here in atlanta it was down in florida where they they lived and um we just, it didn't feel personal enough. We wanted her home with us. Right. And once again, it's it, everything's going to be different from each person, each family, what they need. So we brought her home against their recommendation because she was so fragile because literally she um, didn't have any bone marrow. And um, so her blood counts were really low, but we brought her home and my dad ended up saying, um, I've asked God for three days. Mm-hmm. I've asked God if he can give us time with her at home. And, um, and I, I want time with her at home. And he said, God always answers my prayers. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because that was something he had never really shared that type of faith right. with me before. And he said, you know, I don't ask God for things often. I wait and ask him for the big things. You know, my dad's typical old school Catholic. Well, that was a big thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a big thing. And so and so it was a beautiful moment. I, remember, I still remember standing in his kitchen and him sharing with me a couple of times in his life where he had gone into church on his own, kind of not during mass or anything, and just knelt down and prayed for very specific things in his life. And he mm-hmm. said, God always comes through for me. And just the resolute faith that he had in that moment as his his wife of over 50 years, the love of his life, mm-hmm. is dying in the other room. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. It was so beautiful to see that. And, and it gave me peace to see the peace he had. And God was faithful, and he gave us the time. Again, he gave us the time we asked for um, with her. And uh, and she passed away on, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my my son will say that he was not afraid. Mm. You know, he was he was 15 years old and his wow. dad was dying. Wow! And um, he could articulate that I'm not afraid because because dad's not afraid. Yes, exactly. And dad is peaceful, and and you know there there really is something to the father being the head of the family. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have that earthly father, you can go to our heavenly father because yes. you you need that mm-hmm. that direction. Yeah, and there's something. Um, really special about that vulnerability when someone is dying to really understand our humanity mm-hmm. and to be that vulnerable you know your father had never shared with you like mm-hmm. that but mm-hmm. in that moment it just um is a time that you can share your heart yes it is you know i think the holy spirit just enters into those situations in such profound ways that we're broken open you know we're broken open right. and we're made new and relationships can be made new there's so much that that happens and can happen during those times, yeah. Right, and it'll take a lifetime to even process yes. those things. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to talk to God all about it when we go to heaven, which is awesome. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we also talked about is, in addition to our journeys, what about those people journeying alongside us? You know, what are some things that our friends can do, or maybe our friends, um, we would prefer they don't do, things that, that help them? So. Um, and were there certain things that in your journey that was that were helpful for you that things that that people did for you? 
Well, um, the you know, I hate to go to the negative first, but um, my kid, <laughs> those are the things you sometimes remember. Uh, my, my kids and I laugh every now and then. We'll say, we really need to make a list of the top 10 things not to say not to, to someone say. who yeah. is, you know, in the, in the grieving process. Um, and the number one would be, do not mention your family dog in any way, shape or form, because that just doesn't relate to my dying husband at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> so they tell you that, oh my gosh, I understand what you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I completely understand. When we had to put our family dog down, it's like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to be able to laugh about those things. You, you have to have a have a sense of humor. Um, but uh, I think that people don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, you don't know how to approach that, especially if it hasn't been a part of of your of your experience. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you, you really just don't know what to say. So sometimes the best thing is um is to say nothing at all mm-hmm. and to really i i think my um my closest friends just listened mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and accepted wherever i was at the moment yes if i needed to vent if i was angry if i was sad if i you know needed a distraction um they intuitively mm-hmm. because they're prayerful people yes. knew what we needed what yeah. we needed at the time yeah you know you know, and I think in our society, we there are other societies outside the American society that they're much more open about death and about grieving and about mourning. And I think we as Americans, we're kind of like, okay, buck up, get it back together, just move on, go back to work, whatever you need to do. Right. And we tend to try to run away from it a bit. But, you know, Jesus, it's interesting if you think about, you know, it, it's so funny. One of the scriptures um, that people always remember, they always say it's a kind of a quiz. What is the shortest scripture in the Bible, Right. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, right? And then, okay, let's the, the next part of the story. What what was going on? Why did he weep, right? Mm-hmm. Why did Jesus weep? And I think in in our excitement about going, I know the answer to the shortest scripture in the <laughs> in the Bible. We forget that there's a whole story behind that, and that was when he lost his dear friend Lazarus, mm-hmm. and Jesus knew Lazarus. He'd gotten word that Lazarus was ill and he was dying, and he still was ministering, and he delayed his getting back to um, Bethany to be with them his dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the the siblings who he was very close to and we'd read about before. And so he got there and it's interesting because you know, Jesus already knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He actually has already told both Mary and Martha that he's going to do it. Right. But then, then push comes and he's right there and he walks up to the tomb and people are all weeping. And so what, what does he do? He weeps. He weeps alongside them mm-hmm. and he shares in their grief. He shares in their in their um, sorrow and he knows the end of the story. He knows what's going to happen and he doesn't say, okay, wipe your tears, everybody. It's okay. Watch (laughs) this. You know, he doesn't do that. He enters in. He enters in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He enters in just like you're saying your friends did. They just came and they just were with you. And I know right now it's difficult because sometimes we can't be with people, but you can still be on the phone. You can still use different forms of social media and you can, you can pour out your heart and you can just weep alongside. You don't have to say anything. You can just weep with them and be sad with them. Right. Yeah. But I think that's the important thing is the admitting that 
that we we don't know what to do or say, but mm-hmm. we're willing to acknowledge it and to to be in it with you. Yeah. Um, our first uh, family gathering after Tom died, uh, he died on on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. and our next family gathering wasn't until Thanksgiving. And Tom has a pretty large family, um, and we arrived the day before Thanksgiving, and everyone was there, and it's a big tradition to cook together and play games, and it's just a wonderful wonderful family time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so strange. No one wanted to be in a room with my children or I alone. They Mm. weren't comfortable. They didn't know what to say. And this was family. Yeah. Um, And so it's almost like the name that shouldn't be spoken. Right. They couldn't say his name. You know, Tommy, they wouldn't say it. Yeah. Um, We... When we and my kids were kind of freaking out. When we sat down for dinner, you know, everyone started to take their places, the kids at the kids' table, adults at the adults' table. And I sat down and um as everyone started filling in, I realized that the place next to me was empty. Mm. They had sat an extra place at mm. the table mm. for my husband. Mm. So I made a little joke about the Elijah seat. Yes, and yeah. um, not everyone in the room got it, but uh and then one of my brother-in-laws just broke into a, I remember when Tommy story. Mm. And that broke the ice. And then everyone started sharing those family stories. And I think that that's where you can begin as a family member or Mm -hmm. as a friend Mm -hmm. to share those memories, share the joyful times, keep the story alive. And my children treasure that now whenever we're together Mm -hmm. as family because they want to know. Right, right, yeah. You know, and that's so true. I think it's, that's, that our discomfort with it, right? Our discomfort with the whole idea of death or the whole idea of dying or the whole, even the whole idea of sickness is that people don't want to talk about it. They'll talk about anything else and everything else. Right. And people are like, I want to talk about Tom, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Judy. I want to talk, I want to talk about these people. Right. You know, and that's something that our guest is going to share with us um, on the second half of the hour is some things like that, that, that can be really helpful. And um, she even has some beautiful questions that she's used to help people be able to um, talk about their loved one. I remember years and years ago when my mom was first sick with cancer and she had um, a pretty severe form of breast cancer. And I was in my very early 20s and there was another um, young lady. I had gone to take care of my, my mom. I had gone down to Florida mm-hmm. to, to take care of her. My dad was overseas on an assignment and I got to know this young lady. Um, and she, her mother also was very, very sick. And we were able to have the the funniest jokes and everybody else would look at us horrified, right? right? Because it was like these dying jokes, you know? And she was saying about like her mom had to be on oxygen and people were like so afraid to get near her mom. Because they um, might blow up. Because they might blow up or something might happen. But she would make jokes to them about stuff like, hey, hey, watch out. I think you're on mom's oxygen tube. You know, she that kind of bums her out when she can't breathe. And they all like are horrified and, and they're all joking. She and her mom are laughing and joking about it. Right. And just like you said, bringing bringing a little bit of grace and humor into mm-hmm. the situation can be very helpful. So sometimes the person who's going through the situation has to make it okay for other people. Let them know it's okay. Right. Make yeah. Let right. them know it is okay. My my kids and I laugh now. We um sometimes tell dad to, dead dad jokes, and we mm. say he's laughing up there with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. And I think that's um as Catholic Christians especially knowing that there's a communion of saints, mm-hmm. knowing that we can still talk to them and it's okay. You right. know, some people are like, wait, that's necromancy. No, no, that's not necromancy. No, we we are, everyone is alive in Christ. And so we can talk to them. So if you have lost a loved one, 
you can still talk to them and it's okay. And guess what? You can ask them to intercede for you. They are closer to Jesus right now than than you are. Yeah, I bother yeah. Tom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So listeners, we are about to go to break. And when we come back from break, we have, we're going to throw another Anne into the mix just because it isn't confusing enough already today. So we are going to uh, uh, actually, and she's Anne from St. Anne's. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about St. Anne today. It's wonderful. But we are looking forward to having her with us. And so listeners, please stay tuned and we will be right back. I'm Jerry Bush from St. Bridget in Johns Creek, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta's newest Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Tell us about St. Genevieve. Born in Paris, France, Genevieve became a nun at the tender young age of 15 years old. When her hometown of Paris suddenly found itself under siege by Childeric, king of the Franks, she risked her own life and safety to go into the heart of the city to find food and supplies for those suffering from the ravages of the occupation. Years later, she would go on to face another dangerous conqueror, Attila the Hun. As Parisians prepared to leave their homes, rather than face the wicked wrath of the barbarians, Genevieve convinced them to stay in their homes and to pray instead. Today, it is still unknown why Attila the Hun did not attack Paris, sparing the city and its residents instead. Genevieve died in 500 AD. Her feast day is January 3rd, and she is the patron saint of disasters, as well as her beloved hometown of Paris, France. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Al Cresta from Cresta in the Afternoon. The COVID-19 situation has affected us all, including your local Catholic radio station. We need your help to make sure this vital missionary work continues. No gift is too small. So together, let's make a difference. Please make a donation to support the work of this station today. Thank you, and God bless you. Donate at thequestatlanta.com. Pregnancy Aid Clinic, a Catholic Pregnancy Resource Center, serves women in Metro Atlanta with free medical services, parenting classes, baby supplies, and more, providing options and tools families need to choose life. For information or to help a family in need, visit PregnancyAidClinic.com. Welcome back, dear listeners. You are listening to AM 1160 The Quest and our local show, Shelter in Peace. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm here with my guest co-host, Anne Satilli. And we have been talking about um, grief and grieving and um, death and sickness. And, um, you know, it sounds like very morbid topics. But as Anne and I were just saying, you actually also have to make sure you have a sense of humor during parts of it as well. And there is joy and peace. There is joy and peace because we have an amazing Lord and Savior who loves us so much. Amen. So before our break, I promised you that we had another Anne to add to our mix of Anne's today. <laughs> And um, so I want to welcome to the show Anne Berth, and Anne is the Pastoral Care Coordinator at St. Anne's Parish in Marietta. She is also um, a spiritual director. She actually just recently finished all of her four years of very intense study and work to become a spiritual director. And in her former life, she was a nurse and did hospice nursing as well. So Anne is very well equipped to talk to us today um, on this topic. So welcome, Anne. 
Thank you, Mari. I'm so happy to be here with you and you too, Anne. <laughs> Welcome. I'm, I'm realizing I've got to figure out how to, um, I'm going to call you Anne B and Anne S. I'm not sure how many do this today. <laughs> oh. um, so you've you've probably gotten to hear some of what we were talking about, but um, you know, one of the things that, that um, Anne S and I were just talking about was that especially during this time of COVID, it is so difficult um, to be there for people. And you're in pastoral care, which is all about being there for people. And um, so what are some of the things you guys are doing or how are you serving people through your pastoral care ministry um, and supporting those people who've lost loved ones in this time of COVID-19 when we have to be so physically distanced? It's re- it's really been a game changer as far as not being able to be in person with someone. Mm-hmm. So when we do funeral planning, or even first reaching out to the family, um, it's a phone call to see how they're doing, to see when they're ready to set up a meeting with the priest mm-hmm. um, and, and myself. And then... It's we've been doing it over Zoom, which at first was awkward, but I think I think we've got it down to a science now. Mm-hmm. And it's really just allowing the person who's grieving to have the time and space that we would give them in person. Mm-hmm. So thank thank God for for modern technology that we're able to Zoom and we're able to to you know uh, FaceTime and um, and see people mm-hmm. in person. So. You know, and as you say that, Anne, what I realize is in some ways, maybe you're able to give them more time, right? Because when people are having to make appointments at the church to come in, they're in it, you know, they're maybe in a, a, a different space. They're feeling, they're already feeling very sad and sorrowful. And now they have to, they, they come into the church, they're in an office potentially. So it's not a comfortable for them potentially um, space. But then it's also like, okay, wait, the priest might have another meeting or you might have another meeting mm-hmm. right after that, or there might be interruptions. But uh, what I'm wondering is if since you're able to do it now during on Zoom or FaceTime and they're in their own home, they're in a comfortable space for them, are you finding that you're able to actually give them more time than you were before? I I believe, yes, we are able to do that. And I've found that with spiritual direction as well, doing mm. spiritual direction over FaceTime. People are more at home in their own space mm-hmm. and so more open mm. and so... Um, so in that case, too. But but definitely, yes, we're able to extend it as long as someone needs. And Well, and that process is so important, the, the planning of the funeral. And I, I think it's a gift of our uh, Catholic um, tradition that just the, the, the funeral and picking out those readings, the liturgy of the word, and just entering into that conversation with the priest one-on-one in that planning, it's, it's an important process of grieving. Mm. It, and it's such a beautiful process. Mm-hmm. I I feel privileged. It's it's as I say a front row seat to grace, really to mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of it um, to help people this this way. That's beautiful. So I know that um, as you all were, are, are are there for somebody because you're there not just to plan the the funeral, but you're there to as you just said to let the, give them the space and give them the time to mourn. You actually have come up with some really beautiful questions and ways to be there for them that even people who are friends and family of somebody who is grieving a loved one could use your example and and learn from what you guys do. Can you share with our listeners some of the things that you guys do, some of the questions you ask and how you you just come alongside them during that time? 
Absolutely. That's be, um, yeah, that's a very good question, Mari. So um, we, uh, Father Robert, especially when um, when we're meeting with him, his way of asking people are, what was their faith life like? What was their um, family life like? And what was their friends? Who were their friends? Tell mm. me about them. And people so beautifully open up to those questions to to that you know line of questioning because they remember memories and they start to share their beautiful memories and stories and we get to know the loved one through them mm. so i always feel like i'm meeting new parishioners that i never might have um come in contact with at my at my parish and or maybe I sat three rows behind them, but never really knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And now I have new friends in heaven that I can call on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, and I know you said you have a favorite question, especially if it's been um, an elderly person or a, a widow. That's what you said, especially if it's a woman you're talking to who's lost lost her husband. What was your question you yes. love to ask? <laughs> how did you meet? I love to hear how people met. I just think it's. <laughs> like quirky and fun and mm-hmm. um yeah so i that's like that opens people up again and we can see even on the zoom video that people want to share that experience mm-hmm. of how they met their loved one and then that that further opens up the conversation to more they go a little bit deeper right. and so that's beautiful. beautiful you know and i think the other thing you do by asking questions like that is in in many cases it's not a sudden death in many cases it's it's been a time of of you know just hard 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 stuff for maybe months maybe even longer and you're able to take them back to some of the initial joy in their lives and some of those great memories from maybe a long time ago and and rekindle some of those um, those those wonderful times that maybe they haven't had time lately to even think about, mm-hmm. or maybe they even feel guilty thinking about those things because they feel like, oh gosh, I'm supposed to be sad and mourning right now instead of being able to be joyful and laughing and talking about these. Yeah, right. And there's no there's no supposed to be. That's mm-hmm. another thing we tell right. people. There's no there's no n- normal way of grieving. Really, I would say there's no. It's different and unique for each individual, for how long they grieve, how long they mourn. It's um, it's it's individual, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah. So so even even people who are not in pastoral care, they're like, don't be afraid to ask people about their loved one. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about their loved one. Right. There, it gets awkward for them when when they when people don't ask them and, and kind of tiptoe around of avoiding it. So, yeah. Yeah. You may have heard Anne's story a few minutes ago yeah. about, you right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they didn't even want to be in the same room alone because right. they didn't know what to say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and the memories, um, sustain you going forward. I, I don't, I don't know that there's ever an end to grief. It, mm-hmm. it becomes more manageable over time, but, um, those stories and the happy memories, they replace that year, that year that I had for me of that suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I hardly remember any of those times. I just remember the good. So that's, talking about it helps. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So that year of, yeah, yeah. It's it's of, a, mm-hmm. and, it, and I've told people that too. It's a, it's a year. Give yourself a year. Give yourself at least a year and be patient with yourself. And 
we're going to have foggy brain and you know um it's a whole it's a year of news it's a year of firsts mm. you know mm. first christmas first easter first you know mm-hmm. just first bir- birthday without you um so things like that yeah yeah so that then that's interesting i think people forget there's potentially going to be a physiological experience that people are having too so just giving grace to your friends who have lost a loved one they're not going to get it's it's not something that they get over ever um it just it it becomes different and we'll talk a little bit later about some of that as well um but yeah that first year afterwards um is is even extra sensitive And, and being able to i i remember recently i have had some friends who lost their dad and he was a beautiful um he was actually my former boss i loved him as well and so on his birthday I called his different family members and just said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about him today. I know it's his birthday and um, I'm praying, you know, extra prayers for all of you as you think about him on his birthday. And I'm thanking God for the fact that we got to have him. And they were very, very thankful that um, that I had reached out and remembered him. Um, and then on, or on Father's Day, you know, their first Father's Day without mm-hmm. him, you know, things like that. Well, and I think that's yeah. a, that's important to because you do feel so alone when you've lost someone mm-hmm. that someone else is remembering and um, entering in with you in that grief again, even mm-hmm. you know a year later, um, be, because those things are going to come up. A lot of times, people surround you when someone is sick. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how full my freezer was for <laughs> a very long time. <laughs> yes, um, and it was overflowing. But then the the person dies, and then it's all gone. You know, mm-hmm. suddenly no one's bringing food to the door. They're not calling you and checking in on you. Or it's like it's over for mm-hmm. them. And really mm-hmm. for you, it's just begun. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you can send cards later, too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I joke a little bit about I am a really bad procrastinator when it comes to sending cards out. And then I think, but you know what, God? You're the one. You know when exactly they need to get this card. So even if the person passed away six months ago and I'm finally getting that card out that has been sitting on my counter. So mm-hmm. I am at, all of Atlanta. I'm admitting, yes, I'm a huge procrastinator. <laughs> Um, but it's sitting by my door and I think, but God, you know what, when it arrives, you're going to know that that's the perfect time that they needed that card. Even right. if it's six months later, they needed that car. So don't hold back. Mm-hmm. If the Holy Spirit pricks your heart to do something for somebody. And even if you think, oh gosh, but I'm so late, this is just embarrassing. Guess what? It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. That's and you don't right. have to worry about it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Anne, uh, talking about things that people are sometimes worried about around this whole issue, you know, recently there's been some concern about um, because of social distancing, what what are the things that the priest can do or what's going on with anointing of the sick? You know, mm-hmm. people who have loved ones who are who are dying or who are very sick. What is the current state of being able to receive the anointing of the sick? So. They, we try to make every effort to get a priest in now these days. Um, for a little while, we couldn't. Um, some facilities, even continued now, some facilities will absolutely not let anyone in, mm-hmm. um, which is unfor- it's unfortunate. But um, we're able to set up like FaceTime video blessings, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, the priest will um, call in and do a blessing over the person and what what are, like loved ones need to keep in mind is yes it's not the anointing as we know it it's not the anointing as we would like it 
But our God is big and wonderful, mm-hmm. and He's not going to let anyone die. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let anyone die without mercy. Mm-hmm. And He knows what's going on. And so um, our priests make every effort. At St. Anne's, we have a few elderly priests, and so the guideline is still, if you're 60 or older, you, you really shouldn't be going to hospitals or facilities. So mm-hmm. we have one um, one priest who's quite active, who's been doing um, most of the visits um, to kind of protect everyone else. and But like I said, some facilities will absolutely not let the priest in. So yeah. um, today I just arranged for one for a family, and um, he the facility is able to bring her out to the porch. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's going to meet her on the porch. And, you know, that's right where, where God is, wherever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wherever, you know, <laughs> wherever you are, that's where God is. Exactly. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. I, I just yeah. think the Lord is really challenging us to to reimagine our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, he's he's bigger than um, than we we put him in a box, mm-hmm. you know, and our, our yeah. God is bigger than that and he transcends all of it yes he does and he gave us these sacraments so he's going to make sure that we do receive the graces Mm -hmm. of these sacraments even if it has Mm -hmm. to be in a different way right just like we've got the the spiritual communion that we're taking these days because some of us can't um, receive eucharist and for a period of time none of us could receive eucharist god is not going to hold back his grace he always wants to you know pour that out yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a time to pray for more priestly vocations. Mm. And we need more men, um, you know, devoted to our, the church so that we can have those sacraments more readily available. Exactly. I mean, I think it's really sh- shown a light on the aging population of, of our priests. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, this may not be a good analogy, but I just got this, this flash, as you were saying that, that you remember after nine 11, how many people, entered into the military because mm-hmm. they thought, I want to defend my country. I want to be there for my country. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe after this pandemic, as people see things like, oh, my gosh, our, our aging priests, um, the need that people have for church and sacraments, maybe we are going to have a number of new young men step up and say, I want to be a defender of my faith. I want to be the one who can step forward and, and administer sacraments. Well, and, in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, we Amen. pray that in Jesus' name. Yeah, definitely. So, Anne, um, what else could you share with us? What are the other thoughts do you have? I know you've, obviously you are a spiritual director and you also um, mm-hmm. used to be a hospice nurse. Are there other things that you think our listeners should know about just this time of either people sick and dying or during and after death that um, that people should know about either as the ones experiencing it or the ones who can support those who are? Yeah, I think as a support to people who are experiencing um, troubled times, to give them the time and space, give them, give them time to share their story. Um, it's so important. And I think we're all so quick to share our experience when someone else is um, is sharing something. I'm, I'm really like super guilty of it. And um, spiritual direction formation has helped me kind of slow down and take a step back and hold their experience. This mm. It's their time to tell their story mm. um, and just give them as much time as they need. That's, that's a, um, a big thing to be present, to be, present a hundred percent yeah yeah i i 
really appreciate when someone begins a sentence with, I, I don't understand. Mm. I have no idea what you're going through, mm. but t- tell me. Yeah. You know, share. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and go ahead, Anne. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no. Um, the other thing that I remind people too is when you're in a dark place where you're in the darkness, that God is always going to give just enough light to see the next step mm-hmm. and the next step. And that um, I remind them that we're here in prayer, holding them in that darkness too, that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. It may feel like they're alone, but they are absolutely not alone. And and that God's light through that, through people reaching out to them, through through a meal, through a phone call, through a card. Um, and like you said, Mari, to a staggered card, that uh, mm-hmm. you get an overabundance, I think, in the beginning of things, of flowers and cards and meals. And um, so we, at, in pastoral care, we, um, we send a, a card on the month anniversary mm-hmm. with some grieving materials. We've got some really good pamphlets and things, too. So... If anybody listening, um, you know, needs some of those items, we, we're happy to share our resources. So, mm, thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Anne, I know that you recently walked this path yourself. You lost your sister-in-law um, not too long ago, very young, with very young children, the wife of your, your brother. What did you take yeah. away from that experience as the person who actually went through it? It was it was such a hard experience, but beautiful. Um, we really had hope for a miracle. We ha- we wanted a miracle. We mm-hmm. wanted her to be well. And when my brother called me and said, she's going to be hospiced at home, she's asking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was we're just hit four years now. Um, she was, uh, they live up in Massachusetts. I flew up on the uh, the Wednesday of Holy Week, mm-hmm. and I really just was going to zip up and zip back because I I didn't even really feel it was my place to be there at her deathbed. I don't know why I didn't. I just mm-hmm. you know um, that she had asked for me, and she opened her eyes and held my hand and said, "Our Annie is here. We can start the party now." Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> um, and then from from that point on, she really transitioned pretty quickly. Um, but it went into the next morning, and she died on the morning of Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. surrounded by um, her husband and uh, my brother and um, and me and her sister and some close friends. And mm-hmm. it was it was such a beautiful it was such a a beautiful transition. It was sacred mm-hmm. and. Um, I almost felt like the women at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. after Jesus died, and my um, my Holy Week was so profound that mm-hmm. that I really could identify with Mary and mm-hmm. um, and with the disciples. Um, so yeah, it was it's it was hard, but I think that experience too has helped me um, help other people. Mm-hmm. It's, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I draw from that. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I think Jesus teaches us to do that, right? He has his own, uh, you know, when he lost his cousin John, when when John the the Baptist was was killed, um, Jesus it said he went off by himself for a time, but then immediately people were following him because they still needed him, and he was able to take that 
sorrow that he had and turn it into compassion for others. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a beautiful witness for all of us. So, Anne, just like you're saying, the sorrow that you had and the what you experienced, you're able to turn that into compassion because your heart now does understand a bit more and does understand what it yeah. might need, what people might need and how that might feel. Yeah. yeah definitely. Right. Definitely. The Lord always brings good out of out of every circumstance. He doesn't waste anything, does he? No. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being with us today. We have really appreciated um, you sharing your thoughts and um, your experiences and some um, some good news for people um, and also just some really profound um, recommendations and suggestions for people. Is there any last thing that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um. Uh, no, just pray for pastoral care workers, too. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> Definitely. We've got a lot. We have a lot going on with uh, with our sick ministry as well. So, And I know many churches do. Uh, we have so many, so many good things, uh, blanket ministries and card ministries and um, just reaching out to people, people who need us. Um, so people were unable to bring Eucharist to... They're getting um, they're getting a card every week and a little mm-hmm. newsletter, so um, and a copy of the bulletin. So uh, we're really trying to stay connected to our people. That's awesome, and I know you do a beautiful job with it. That's beautiful. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Anne. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll All be the Anne's. you on your journey too. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank You're you. Welcome. Take care. You're welcome. Thank All right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was so lovely to be able to hear from Anne. Um, and I yes. know, Anne, um, Anne S., you <laughs> you had some um, some final thoughts as well to share just around just that process. You know, Anne just shared with us that to let people know th- there's no probable, there's no right way to do it. And that, you know, the first year it feels certain things happen, but it continues, Right. Right. Um, the the analogy that I love is of waves coming in. You know, in the beginning, the waves are huge and they knock you over and they come out of nowhere. But over time, they're smaller and less and less. And you can maybe even anticipate them coming and, and you know from past experience that you've been able to stand through the waves mm-hmm. and come out, out on the other side um, because there there is hope and, yeah. and the Lord does walk with you and puts people in your path to help you along the way. Um, but I I think that my um, the most important thing to me in my journey has been to pray the prayer daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Give me God just what I need for mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. to get through today. Yeah. And yeah. if you just simplify it to to that, it's um, it it just helps you move move through and right. to to see the goodness. Yeah. It makes me think of what Anne just said about God give you just enough light to see the next step, right? Right, yeah. right. just just yeah. one step at a time, and and God will God will res- restore. Yeah. Um, when, uh, before Tom died, it was so chaotic the first the couple days before, and people kept bringing cookies and bringing cookies. It was two days before Christmas, and there were cookies and cookies and cookies everywhere, and I lost my mind at one point. And mm. I'm not a huge cusser, but there were some horrible words. I was like. <laughs> If someone brings another blank cookie, I'm just going to lose my mind. Um, and I got it back together and 
the day after Tom died, one of my dear, dear friends called and she said, um, Ian, I had a dream and Tom came to me in the dream and he, um, he was completely restored and mm. didn't look sick anymore. And he was his old self and he was smiling. And she said, he, he embraced me and he said, please tell Ian, don't worry about the cookies. <gasps> Oh my gosh. She didn't know the cookie story. So I remind myself of that. Those cookies were, you know, like all the things, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I was worried about so many things. And now I just, every once in a while I'll say, don't worry about the cookies. That's great. Well, you've got a beautiful prayer. Would you close us in prayer? And dear listeners, this prayer is for you. So this comes from, from Revelation. It's God's promise, God's hope. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. For this is true. These words are trustworthy. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring, the water of new life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, dear listeners, for being with us this week. We look forward to being with you again next week here on Shelter in Peace.